This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me today are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar, principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue, and the TSO's marketing director, Felicia Canny. Welcome, everyone. Today we're talking about a program which has two of the great composers of the classical canon and also a composer that some folks may not know very well. That would be Haydn, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about Mozart and Haydn and Schnitke. And Schnitke was a Russian composer. So we're going to jump into this concert. First of all, the concert is called Mozart a la Haydn. That is the title of the Schnitke work that is going to be on the program. This is part of Weltauer Mozart in the Afternoon, that series. It's happening this Saturday, January 19th, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. This is at the Valentine Theater. Music of Haydn, along with Schnitke and Mozart. Uh, Anya Billmeyer, conductor, is coming back to uh, rejoin the TSO this year. So let's begin. Maybe we can talk about uh, Anya a little bit and the fact that she's coming back. What do you say, Zach? So Anya was here on our uh, classic series last season uh, doing a very different program, a program of Kurt Weill and uh, several uh, mainstream romantic pieces. This is a, a, a much more classical program uh, that she's very excited about, and she's excited to show our audiences a, a, a greater amount of her breadth. So, you know, we, mm-hmm. we enjoyed our, our experience with Anya last year, and uh, we're very happy that she agreed to join us again this year. I think what I loved most about working with Anya was she just has an incredible sense of style. Um, when we were doing a French late romantic piece, it sounded very different from a Strauss waltz, and it read it really had a, a she had a wonderful sense of theatricality as well. And I think that's important in this program as well. There's a little bit of a theatrical element in the Schnicke piece, so yeah. I think that she has a really good sense of that. Maybe it's the opera conductor in her, <laughs> but she has a really good sense of drama and pacing and how an audience experiences a musical work. And, you know, once one thing that's really interesting is that the week after this concert, next week, she is going to be in Vienna conducting Die Fledermaus uh, with the Vienna um, folk opera. So it's uh, just amazing to think that, you know, this jet set maestra is coming here to do this wonderful concert and then dash back to Europe to perform probably a, a bucket list moment for her. Yeah. Well, there are interesting stories behind each of these works, and certainly the ability to bring out the style of the works is extremely important, especially in regards to, let's say, the the Haydn Symphony. You're performing the Haydn Symphony that he wrote, one of the symphonies that he wrote for the city of Paris. Mm -hmm. This one he really loaded up with a lot of Parisian kind of gestures Mm -hmm. that that audiences in Paris would recognize straight away. And, uh, in fact, the nickname La Reine, or the Queen, Mm -hmm. comes from the fact that it was Marie Antoinette's favorite symphony and she actually along with Haydn said okay you can call it the queen actually I believe it was the the queen of France originally and then they shortened it to the queen so that's one of the few symphonies of Haydn that actually has a sanctioned nickname by the Mm -hmm. composer many of them were added later on by publishers but in this case we have the queen's favorite as it were so style very important Let's talk a little bit about Alfred Schnitke, the composer, and uh, then talk about the piece of music, because I know a lot of folks may be unfamiliar with this work. And Schnitke is kind of known peripherally as uh, a bit of a a modernist composer. He wrote a lot of music that was 
very, very, uh, I don't know, maybe a little foreign sounding to most core classical listeners, but there are so many touchstones in this piece that you can latch your ear onto. I think we should talk about those Mm -hmm. so that, uh, you know, when people go into the concert, they'll have something to look forward to. They'll know what to listen for. You want to give us a a little background on Schnicke, Merwin? I think I would maybe approach that from a slightly different angle. I think um, Schnicke, for me, he's one of the very few funny composers. (laughs) He's he's very hilarious. <laughs> no one's funny. <laughs> um, he's Are those he's serious classical composer. Well, I, I think it's actually very hard to do humor in classical music. And we I, do it every week. Well, yes, <laughs> but, but we're an award-winning radio show. <laughs> I mean, it's entirely different. Yeah. But I think that um, Schnicka is able to find irony and humor, sarcasm, and he, one of the things that's really important how he does that is he creates a sense of expectation as if, oh, we know what's going to come. And he does that by borrowing, paying homage, downright pilfering material from other composers Mm -hmm. and then kind of mistreating it. And I think that um, it's really, really very, very funny uh, when it's it's done. And sometimes he, he, the irony is very, heavy and very Russian, but sometimes it's very lighthearted, and I think Mozart a la Haydn falls somewhere in the middle. Can I, can I just ask for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with it? I mean, based on that description, are we talking about somebody like P.D.Q. Bach? Oh, I wouldn't say that. I think it's a little bit more like you. he will start with something very, very dissonant, and you expect, oh, well, this is going to be a modern 20th century Russian composer. And then all of a sudden you hear these um, inklings of uh, Mozart or like these divertimento sections from Mozart or these like these unknown Haydn fragments. Little quotations. Yes, little quotations. And then they start to merge together in this way that initially sounds like it works perfectly. And then he twists it, changes a note, and you're like, Oh wow! All of a sudden, this suddenly is very redolent of the twentieth century again. So you're talking about you have a certain expectation for where the music is going, and then mm-hmm. it doesn't go that way, and it trips and falls flat on its face. Yeah, this is sort of like a musical version of America's Funniest Home Videos. That we have <laughs> <going>. <laughs> well, actually, that reminds me of a story. I was playing a piece by Schnitzer's uh, Paganini, and I was doing this at the Ohio Theater, and. Um, I was with a friend of mine, and she had a wonderful skill, which I have never performed with since, which was the ability to eat fire. And <laughs> and so nice we were, party trick. It, it is. It's a great party trick. So we had these torches set up um, on on the stage of the Ohio Theater, and. I was a lot younger then. I, I, I was dressed in like Darth Maul makeup and a cape, and I was playing this piece. And there's this section in A Paganini where basically the single violin has to play fragments of all 24 of the Capri- Paganini caprices mashed up together in this ridiculous, um, like, kind of like all these caprice fragments are fra- flying at you, and it's very, very dangerous. And I accidentally set myself on fire. Um, my robe was very, very cheap, so I was stamping out oh, the corner. Oh, you were serious about <laughs> oh, yeah. the robe. I was totally serious about I just, the robe. I need to pause for a second here and just say, I, I don't believe Darth Maul ever had a, a cape, actually. 
I think I think I, the cape was really important because I needed to yeah. have shade over the glasses that I still needed to wear because Darth Maul also didn't have glasses, so we needed to kind of shade that I a little see. bit. We just so, got a little nerdier than I expected. But that's okay. There. That's okay. <laughs> 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 and for the uh, listeners out there, all of our jaws is dry. <laughs> and so after I, after I, uh, pres- you know, after I finished extinguishing the, the blaze, the little tiny blaze. Were you playing while extinguishing? I was. How very Nielsen of you. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I was thinking more Jerry Lee Lewis, but I guess, <laughs> I guess maybe, maybe you were thinking a different direction. Um, and... Well, this, this story has gone on so long, I have to bring up a little music background for us. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's, go ahead. So, I, I want to point out, I've tried really hard not to interrupt you, and I've interrupted oh, no you now twice. <laughs> was that a New Year's resolution? It was. <laughs> that, I think you missed that show, though. <laughs> no, I don't think I did. No, I was talking I, to Zag. Oh, oh, he... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember at this point. You were so. you were on fire. Yes, and yeah. and then your schnitka was in fuego. My, my schnitka was on fire. And <laughs> Careful now, <laughs> family friendly podcast here. And she had taken hot schnitka. Stop it, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the voice we were missing for months. There we go. <laughs> and so she had taken. That is not the sound that was being made. She she was taking these three torches and you know swallowing them, and then at the end, one thing I did not know was going to happen. She never did this in dress rehearsal. Was she had a blood pack in her mouth, Ugh. and so at the very end of the piece, I'm like digging my scroll into her skull and lifting her up, and then pretending to bash her head on the floor. I had students at this recital. It was very weird. Wait, which concert was this? This was like, I was about, it was about t- 2003. I did a concert at the Ohio Theater. Okay. Um, and, and you were like 12 years old. <laughs> something like that. And then she bit into this blood pack and I was, all of a sudden, there's blood, all fake blood, all over her <laughs> blouse. And I was like, what have I done? <laughs> and I'm, at this point, I'm trying to tune my lowest string lower and lower and lower while not dropping the violin in fear it was a very it's one of those very few unforgettable moments that this will this particular schnitka piece will not have that (laughs) there will be no fake blood (laughs) there will be no fire but there is an element of theatricality in the piece i'm I'm kind of disappointed that there's not going to be any fake blood or fire well i guess we haven't talked to kirk or taya maybe we can work that in so now, what did this have to do with Schnitka? <laughs> well, it was a piece by Schnitka. Uh, well, okay, but you're talking about the um, you know the the, the wild um, ability of his composition to be humorous, but also mm-hmm. very challenging. And um, I, the Apaganini piece definitely flies through that. Yeah. Um, I, I just pulled up a picture here. I remember that his gravestone was funny. Uh, do you guys know what his gravestone is? Schnitka. Yeah. It's a whole rest with a fermata on top and a triple forte underneath (laughs) it. Wow. That's it. It doesn't say his name anywhere, but he's he's buried in in Moscow in the same cemetery as Shostakovich, whom I know is one of his his mentors. Yeah. 
that that tombstone sort of puts uh, John Cage's 433 to shame. Huh? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> it's much louder for one. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, I, I want to play a, a quick little excerpt of the mm. Schnicke. We've talked a lot about the music and, and how he is sort of a lens between this Mozart and Haydn. There's even a little Haydn in this piece with the farewell symphony. There's a direct quotation of Symphony Number no. Forty of Mozart, along with some other hints of Mozart DNA running throughout the piece. And some of it sounds like, I think there are three different things here. Merwin touched on, on one of them, uh, the humor of the piece the, and, and the unpredictability. That is the, the major force in this work. If you don't know it, you just really can't tell where it's going to go. And to me, the whole experience of listening to it from beginning to end is sort of like the funhouse mirror maze. You go in and... You're not quite sure where to go, and it takes you in a different place, and you see different things and little distortions here and there. But the the journey along the way is a great deal of fun. It's really a, kind of a, a elevated form of ear candy when you listen to it, really. Well, I, I believe this piece uh, pulled from uh, an unfinished work by Mozart. With pantomime music, yeah, right, and uh, uses a, l- a little of that. Yeah. But they only had uh, they only found the first violin part, and I think he he took the the musical uh, quotations from that and yeah. extrapolated it into this this piece. So you hear something that is unfinished from a musical genius, and he twists it and turns it into something that you think you won't recognize, but there are great moments that yeah. you can really grasp onto and love. Yeah, totally. Here's a little excerpt, and and this is a spot where he's sort of channeling Mozart a little bit, but also doing his own thing. It almost sounds kind of neoclassical, but then it gets a little bit off the rails, so I think this is a good example. You know, just a quick little shot there. You hear a lot of things. You you even hear that. Da, 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 I was just going to say. Da, da, <laughs> yeah. Right? So there's a little Haydn and Mozart mm-hmm. mixed in there. The, really, the layers of intricacy are, are just delightful when you try to deconstruct it, you know, listening to it. And I should point out, so this is a piece for uh, kind of a small orchestra and two uh, violin soloists. Mm-hmm. So in our performance this weekend, we'll have our concertmaster, Kirk Toth, and our associate concertmaster, Taya Prokes, as the soloists. Yeah. I'm excited to see some of their very real collaboration and, and their performance is so much fun to watch together. It'll be neat to see them in a duo solo role, which I've, I've not really seen outside of our chamber concerts. Yeah. Well, we, we also have the music of Mozart and the music of Haydn on this program, and it, it's all kind of connected. I thought it was really interesting to see the connections between these particular pieces. Uh, the Symphony Number no. 85, The Queen, of Haydn, then the Schnitke, and then the Mozart Symphony Number no. 36, the Linz, which certainly has Haydn-esque um, influences to it. This Linz Symphony, interesting story, was written in just, what, four days, I believe it was. Mozart was uh, on his way back to Vienna uh, from Salzburg, perhaps, yeah, and uh, he had a stopover in the city of Linz on the way, and when they found out Mozart was going to be there, they said, you have to have a symphony for us. So he wrote it in four days in the carriage ride. Oh, so and it wasn't procrastination. <laughs> no, 
No, indeed. But but just think about it though. You know, it wasn't like you. It, it wasn't like writing in a nice smooth airplane with the uh, you know your laptop in front of you. This was writing uh, along a bumpy road, writing in the carriage. And when you hear the beginning of the Lintz, I think it's kind of funny because it has all these dotted rhythms to it. And I wonder if he just you know was imitating the <laughs> the sound of the horse and carriage. Or his pencil going off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Wait, that's not a dot. But uh, <laughs> I'll leave it there. <laughs> Yeah, well, we don't have the manuscript of that particular symphony, so, you know, who knows if the dots were real or not. But uh, I do have a little quiz for us. Um, We have time for this now. This is a a Mozart, not a Mozart a la Haydn quiz. This is a Mozart versus Haydn quiz. (laughs) And so... (laughs) Is this one of the cage match discussions? Yeah, sort of a a cage match. Well, not really. It's just, you know, your answer is Mozart or Haydn or both or... We have a couple of little audio examples in here, too. So it'll be, you know, as we go along, it'll be uh, self-evident. Let me bring up a little uh, music. Mozart. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay, now we've got our quiz. Is that, is, that, is that giggle from Amadeus? Is that what yes. that is? All right, it giggle. just finally hit me. That's a good yeah. word. <laughs> yes. I thought that was just Brad. The Amadeus giggle. <laughs> I did too until he did it and his mouth yeah. didn't move. I'm still working on that. Okay, here we go. Question one. This composer was blessed with a wonderful singing voice as a child and narrowly escaped the knife. They wanted to turn him into a castrato, but his father said no. That was Haydn. That was, that was Haydn. Haydn. Good job. Yeah. Yay! Okay, number You're two. You're for yourself. Speaking of Haydn... <laughs> That's also Brad. <laughs> speaking of Haydn as a choir boy, when his voice changed, he got kicked out of the choir. He was so mad. What did he do to extract his revenge? Did he steal the choir director's robe? Did he cut off another boy's hair? Or did he set fire to the chapel? Which one of those three wow, uh, did he uh, do? <laughs> I, I hope he didn't set fire. He did not set fire hair. to the chapel. It was the hair, yeah. It, it was the hair. He yeah. cut off one of his fellow choir boys' ponytails. And he actually was had a public caning as uh, punishment. Wow. For that. Yeah, they, changed. In my mind, I'm seeing old man getting yeah. a public caning. It's... The times they are changing, which, incidentally enough, is the subtitle of the Haydn Symphony. <laughs> Tempora so, so, Mutantur, yeah. right? We're, we're going to get yeah, we're going to get into Haydn conspira- conspiracy theories here in a, in a couple of minutes. Okay, here's another one. This symphony by Mozart is actually the work of Haydn. I'm going to give you three different choices, and you tell me which one of these is actually by Haydn. Well, that one actually is Schnitke. <laughs> Because it pops up in the uh, Mozart a la Haydn. But this is actually the Mozart, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's symphony number 37. We heard symphony number 40. One of these is actually by Haydn, not by Mozart. Okay. This is the third example. Second movement of a symphony. Okay, 
So what's your choice, Zach? You say number two? Number two. I do That's as well. right. Yeah. But number it's, it's Michael Hyden, right? It's Michael Hyden. Yeah. A little trick question. Mm-hmm. Symphony number 37, which incidentally comes right after the one we're going to hear on the concert, 36, the Lind Symphony. Um, yeah, it was actually the work of Haydn. Mozart composed an opening movement for it, but the rest of the symphony is by Michael Haydn. Was that a thing? Did composers kind of collaborate on a, a symphony in that time? Like, hey, Wolfgang, do, do the first movement, I'll take the rest. I, well, I don't know that they collaborated, you know, consciously. So Mozart probably started it and failed to finish it, and Haydn finished it. No, I think it was the other way around. Um, Haydn wrote this short little symphony, and Mozart thought, oh, it needs a little something A little genius. Yeah. (laughs) Let me me sprinkle a little (laughs) Mozart in there and see if we can uh, pump it up. Okay. Next question. This symphony by Haydn is actually the work of Mozart. Ready? Here we go. Now, that would be a little confusing for some sharp-eared listeners. <laughs> Last example. So, which one of those Haydn symphonies is actually by Mozart? It's the last one. The last one. The Toy Symphony. The Toy Symphony. Thought for a long time to be Haydn's music, but actually Leopold Mozart's You're you're playing the name game here. See what I did there? Yeah. 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 The name game. Good. So, uh, next question. Can we go back? You you said the first excerpt might uh, challenge some of the more careful listeners. Do you want to explain why? Well, because it's a theme that Mozart used famously in the final movement of his Jupiter Symphony, Symphony 41, which, which turns into this amazing little fugal section in, in that final symphony mm-hmm. that a lot of people are familiar with. But Mozart also used it in his very first symphony, and we heard it there, an excerpt, Symphony Number 1, the second movement, where it's in the background, it's in the horns, and it's slower. It's like at half tempo. You hear boom, 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 boom. That's when he was eight years old. He used that symph- that, wow. that theme, and then he used it again in his very final symphony, in the last movement. And it's really interesting. Also, uh, we heard the, the the piece that we heard that may have been a little confusing was Haydn's Symphony Number no. Thirteen, which uses that theme very prominently, and it was written like a year before. Mozart wrote his first symphony. So, it's, you know, th- these. this is where we get into the Mozart-Haydn conspiracy theory territory here. This is the musical equivalent of who wore it better. Yeah, right. But but th- <laughs> that theme, you know, people have traced that theme yeah. back to medieval I times. I was say, yeah, know? it's so not a... it's, it's been around for a long time. But um, the, the fact that Mozart uses it in his very first symphony and his very last symphony, I think, is is interesting. 
Okay, which of these is not a symphony by Haydn? The palindrome, the schoolmaster, or the distracted? <laughs> or none of the above, or all of the above? <laughs> I feel like they are all the distracted, but if it's not, I think the one I'm not sure about is palindrome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's your answer? Are they all Haydn symphonies, or is palindrome the odd man out? I'm going to go with all Haydn symphonies. Yay! They are all Haydn symphonies. It's funny, they all have these wonderful subtitles, but most of them are in German, so I have no yeah. idea what they are. <laughs> <laughs> Although the distracted that's Il Distrato is yeah, uh, that's Italian. Italian. That one, yeah. I guess some composers. are French, some are English, yeah. Yeah, com- composers, and Haydn was also among these, they, they would have their names, their first names especially, in whatever language they were being published in. You know, so even Beethoven, uh, instead of Ludwig, you would have Lewis or something like that. So this would be like Frank, 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 (laughs) Joe Haydn. Frank Beethoven, (laughs) Joe Haydn, Giovanni Haydn Uh, is what he would be in in Italy. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was a, you know, it was a European, a worldwide effort. Okay, here's a good one. What famous rocker named his son after Mozart? Is it Peter Chris from Kiss? Is it Eddie Van Halen from Van Halen? Or is it Johann Herzl, better known, <laughs> better known as Falco? Which one of those actually named their son after Mozart? It's a hard one, huh? That is. Take I feel a guess. like this is not in, in, not even in my realm of like knowledge. <laughs> yeah, cue the crickets Let's hear from you, Felicia. What, what do you say? Wait. Just take a guess. A. <laughs> <laughs> what was A? Do you remember? Peter Chris from Kiss. It's not Peter Chris. I'll go for Eddie Van Halen. Yay! Eddie Van Halen, yeah. He named his son Wolfgang Van Halen. (laughs) It sounds even more incredible that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's the last one, and you should get this, Zach. (laughs) I think in that it would be Wolfgang Van Halen. (laughs) Maybe, yeah, Van Halen. (laughs) Unless you put it like an umlaut over the A. Van Halen. (laughs) Van Halen. Van Halen. Yes. Good. Finally, what was the last word to escape the lips of Gustav Mahler before he died? (laughs) Zach, you should know this. (laughs) Here's a clue. (laughs) I think I think when he died, uh, you know, he was he was quite ill, um, and he was coming in and out of consciousness. But he had this. He was rumored to have seen the future in some of his final moments. Uh, so I think his final words were um, a, a critical um, review of the 1984 film Amadeus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did not see it going there. No. I, was, I was trying to figure out, you could see into the future part. <laughs> wait, now Zach knows that Mahler was after Mozart, right? <laughs> Just barely. Yeah. So as legend goes, yeah. he yelled out the name Mozart and then he died. Well, uh, and honestly, I have, I, there are many different views on this, but um, I, I hope... You know, if anybody's heard about you know, Steve Jobs' final final words or "Oh my, oh my," um, it, it, there's a sense that he was seeing the exquisite. And uh, in in this mind, I hope that it's Mahler in his uh, transition to heaven gets to see Mozart, and he's so fundamentally excited for it that he just yells his name. Yeah, that's great. Let's all make a pact right now that the last word we we say before we die Cresswell. Is, yes. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Whoops. 
Well, I hit the wrong thing. <laughs> it's like Jack Donaghy in uh, 30 Rock when he thinks he's on his des- deathbed and his final words were, I wish I worked more. Uh, <laughs> yay! Okay. Well, I think that's a nice place to leave it right there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you throw in the Molly just for me? Yes. Oh, thank Indeed. you. Well, uh, we just want to reiterate the concert is this weekend. It's happening uh, Saturday, January 19th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Don't forget, Mozart in the afternoon. It's at the Valentine Theater. More information at ToledoSymphony.com or 419-246-8000. You can call up the box office. Music of Haydn, his Symphony 85, The Queen. Also, Mozart Symphony Number no. 36, The Linz. And in between the two... Music of Alfred Schnittke, which is based on that of Mozart and Haydn. It's called Mozart a la Haydn for two violins and orchestra. Really interesting, wonderful concert. Great way to spend the afternoon with these composers. I want to uh, thank everybody for coming in today. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website. That's wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. My thanks again to Zach Vassar, Merwin Sue, and Felicia Canny. I'm Brad Cresswell, and this has been Toledo Symphony Lab on FM 91.